He's saying the only right and reasonable response to the mercies of God that you have experienced in Christ is two things, to give your whole life in the service of God and to give your heart in constant spiritual worship. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom continues our current series with part three of Your Only Reasonable Response to the Gospel. The teaching of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, can be summarized as the only reasonable response to the salvation that you've received in the gospel, giving yourself to God, body and soul. Today, Tom will continue to examine two main insights into how believers should respond to what God has done in saving them through the gospel. Really, the call of these two verses is for a total, radical commitment to God on the part of those who have come to believe in His Son. But what does it look like to be totally and radically committed to God? How does this flesh itself out in your life? Let's join Tom now as we discover more from God's Word on The Word Unleashed. Well, I do encourage you now to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 We are looking at the hinge verses that take us from the doctrine to the application of that doctrine, from the gospel and an explanation of the gospel in the first 11 chapters of Romans to what we are to do in response to the gospel that has saved us in chapters 12 and following. Let's read again these two pivotal verses in Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Last time I pointed out to you that if we were to summarize the teaching of these two verses, it would simply be this, the only reasonable response to the salvation that you have received in the gospel is to give yourself to God, body and soul. Again, the only reasonable response to the salvation you have come to enjoy is to give your body and your soul to God who purchased them through His Son. This is really a call in these two verses for a total radical commitment to God on the part of those who have come to believe in His Son. We're learning here two insights about how we must respond to what God has done in saving us through the gospel. First, we discovered last time the grounds for a life of total commitment to God. The grounds, the basis, the foundation. Really, in the first part of verse 1, we discover three of these grounds. First of all, the exhortation of Scripture. The apostle, speaking as an apostle, urges us to do this. This is really the Scripture itself ultimately urging us and exhorting us to, to take this step of total life commitment. Secondly, our relationship with God. 
He addresses us as brothers and sisters in Christ. That means that we are also children of the Father on the basis of the adoption that we enjoy we are to commit ourselves to God. And then thirdly, and really the focus in this first verse is the mercies of God. And I went through the first 11 chapters of Romans last time and, and described for you, gave you a list of all of the mercies that we have enjoyed. And Paul says, because of those mercies, on the basis of those mercies, this is what I want you to do. But what does it mean to be totally committed to God? We are learning then, secondly, having seen the grounds, we are looking at the demonstration of a life of total commitment to God. What does this look like? How does it express itself? How does it demonstrate itself? That's the middle of verse 1 through verse 2. Paul makes his appeal for this, this radical commitment to God using the language of Old Testament sacrifice. And he he tells us in these two verses, we are to sacrifice, first of all, our bodies to God, and secondly, our souls or our minds, our bodies and our minds. Verse 1, our bodies. Verse 2, our minds. So first of all, you are to present your body to God. Verse 1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a sacrifice. What does it mean to present your body a sacrifice? Well, let me just give you the list that we walked through last time. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to catch up, go back and listen because I filled these out. But just to remind you, the big picture, first of all, you must remember that if you're a Christian, when you came to Christ, you came on Christ's terms. And what that means is you denied yourself, you took up your cross, and you committed to follow Him. Presenting your body is just another step, a logical step in that process. It's just another progression of what began at the moment of your salvation. Secondly, if it means that you must daily live in the awareness that your body is not yours but belongs to Jesus Christ, which is exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Thirdly, it means you must commit yourself from this point forward to live your life not for yourself but for Jesus Christ. Again, exactly what Paul expresses in 2 Corinthians 5, where he says, since he died for us, we who live should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. And then finally, we noted that you must daily present the members of your body as slaves of God and of righteousness, which is the message of Romans chapter 6. Now, that's where we ended last time. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table this morning, I want to consider the rest of what Paul teaches us in verse 1. Notice how Paul describes the sacrifice of our bodies. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, the English word order in our translations, most of the translations that are used here this morning, doesn't actually follow the word order of the Greek text. 
Literally, if, let, me just, let me just give it to you from the Greek text. It reads like this, Therefore, I am urging you, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a sacrifice, one, living, obviously the numbers aren't in the Greek text, <laughs> one, living, two, holy, three, acceptable to God, and four, the spiritual worship of you. So the most natural way to read these verses, this, this verse rather, is that the command, the command to present ourselves as a sacrifice is the main point of the verse. That's the thrust of the verse. And the final four expressions, the other words that surround the word sacrifice, describe that sacrifice. So the four words and phrases that in the Greek text follow sacrifice describe the sacrifice of our bodies in some ways. The first two, living and holy, explain how you are to present your body. The last two, acceptable to God and your spiritual service of worship, explain why. So let's look at these words together. First of all, how should you present your body a sacrifice? How? First of all, it's to be a living sacrifice. Notice he says, therefore I urge you, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a sacrifice living. This is an intentional contrast between a sacrifice that's alive versus one that's dead. In the Old Testament era, you couldn't bring a dead animal, you couldn't bring a corpse to the temple for sacrifice because that violated the whole point. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it, that is the blood to you, <coughs> excuse me, on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood, listen to this, by reason of the life that makes atonement. So the animal that you brought for sacrifice had to be alive so that its blood could be shed. That's, it was the death of that animal and the shedding of its blood that accomplished or that pictured the atonement that Jesus would accomplish. So then as the worshiper, you brought a live animal. But as I've shared with you before, you brought that animal for sacrifice to the forecourt of the temple. Then you would have put your hands on the head of that animal, confessing your sins to God. But it symbolized, the hands on the head symbolized the transfer of your sins to that innocent substitute. It's as if now that animal has committed those sins. Then the priest would have handed you the knife, and you would have slit that animal's throat and watched as its blood poured out. So now that animal that you had to bring alive is dead. And the priest gathered the corpse of that animal, whatever the particular kind of sacrifice it was, depending on the parts that would be taken. He takes the corpse of that animal, he ascends up to that great altar, and he throws its corpse on that burning fire, and the corpse is consumed. That meant practically that animal could never be offered again. One and done. Paul's point here is that we are to present our bodies not as the normal dead sacrifice, but as one that is living. Our sacrifice is to be a living body. Now, what is the primary implication of that? 
The implication is that our sacrifice is to be continual and perpetual. It's to be daily and constant. It's never consumed. It's not one time and over. It's perpetual. Isn't that what Jesus himself said when he called us to discipleship? He said, those who would come after me must take up their cross, what? Daily and follow me. It continues. It's day after day after day, perpetually to the end of life. That's what the word living implies. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is talking about his looming execution. He's going to be beheaded by the Roman authorities because of his faith in Christ. And in that context, referring to his own death, he says, I am being poured out as an offering. So he says, I have lived as an offering each day, he tells the Philippians, and even my death is an offering. We are living sacrifices day after day to the very end of this life. Christian, here's what it means. This concept of a living sacrifice means you don't get a vacation from following Jesus Christ. There's no retirement from the kingdom of God, a living sacrifice, daily, perpetual, continual, constant to the very end of this life. The sacrifice of our bodies is to be living. Notice also, it's to be holy. Verse 1 says, therefore, I am urging you, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies a sacrifice, living, holy. The word holy, both in, in English, in Greek, and back even into Hebrew, literally means to be set apart. In the context here, holy underscores two realities about the nature of the sacrifice of our bodies. First of all, to present your body as a holy sacrifice is to do so in the sense that it is set apart for God, that it belongs to Him. Your body belongs to Him. The animal sacrifices were set apart from the mundane, everyday use in the ancient world and were devoted to the service of God. In fact, once you designated an animal from your flock as a sacrifice, it no longer belonged to you, but it belonged to God. In Leviticus chapter 1, verse 2, it uses the word for offering korban. Those of you who are familiar with the New Testament, you remember that the, the Jewish people of the first century had abused that concept and were misusing it, but the word is a biblical word, and it means that once you decided that animal was going to be your sacrifice, it was Corban. It was devoted to God. It was given to God. It wasn't yours. In the same way, your body, Paul says, is to be holy, set apart to God. Your body is no longer yours to do with what you want. You know, I hear that all the time. People say, look, it's, it's my body. No, it's not. If you're a Christian, it's not your body. It's Jesus Christ's body. He bought it with his own blood. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Folks, that's not just nice words. That's a reality. You are not your own. Your body doesn't belong to you. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God 
in your body. Secondly, you are to present your body as a holy sacrifice in the sense that you are to present it without spot or blemish. In other words, your body is to be morally pure. This also is implied in this word holy. In the Old Testament, this concept was often used to describe an animal. An animal that you brought was to have no spots or blemishes on it, no physical blemishes. Why? Because that was a metaphor. That was a picture that this sacrifice had no physical blemishes in the way that the ultimate sacrifice would have no sin blemishes whatsoever. It was a It was a metaphor that that animal was without its own sin and therefore could die in the place of someone else, just as, of course, our Lord and His ultimate sacrifice would do. As Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, verse 18, you were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, listen to this, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. What's that talking about? Jesus' blood was unblemished and spotless? Well, it means he was without sin. He had absolutely no sin. Therefore, he could stand in our place. He could become our substitute. If you've never repented and believed in him, you need to understand this is your only hope because there are only two alternatives. Either you will leave this life bearing the guilt of your own sin and you will endure the justice that your sins deserve from the hand of God, or you will repent and believe in the way God has made through His Son, through His Son's life and death and resurrection, and God will enable Jesus to stand in your place and to take the justice that your sins deserve. Those are your only two choices. I plead with you, don't put it off. Don't leave this life with the justice for your sins riding on your own head, because I promise you this, God doesn't grade on a curve. You will get everything that your sins deserve. If you will repent and believe, Jesus got everything your sins deserved. So when Paul says we are to present our bodies as a holy sacrifice, not only is he saying that they belong to God, he's also saying that they are to be truly holy. Your body is not to be characterized by sin, but practically, personally, holy. The way you use your body is to be marked by real and consistent holiness. In fact, let me just remind you of what the Bible says about your body. Think about this for a moment. In 1 Corinthians 6.15, Christian, Paul says your body is a member of Christ. Be careful what you do with that body. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 6.13, your body can be an instrument or tool of righteousness. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 34, you can be holy both in body and in spirit. Therefore, God calls you to possess your own body in sanctification and honor. That's exactly what he says. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. 
How? How do we please God? Well, here's one way, verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. What we're about to read here originated with the authority of Jesus Christ Himself, verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. It is God's will given as an instruction to us through the apostles coming from the authority of Christ Himself that you be progressively becoming increasingly holy day after day. How? Well, here's one very practical way, verse 3, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Understand that you don't get to decide what you do sexually with your body. Why? Because your body doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. Christ gets to say what you do sexually with your body. Therefore, verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, his own body in sanctification and honor. Don't use it for sexual sin. And, verse 5, don't engage it in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Oh, and if as a professing Christian you do this, verse 6, see to it that no man transgress and defraud his brother in this matter, this issue of sexual sin, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this, this this concept of keep your body pure sexually, is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Couldn't be much more pointed than that. But notice verse 4. Each of you needs to know how to possess his own body in sanctification and honor. One commentator in the book of Romans, a man named Cranfield, writes this, the true worship which God desires embraces the whole of a Christian's life from day to day. Any worship at the temple with sacrifices which was not accompanied by obedience in the ordinary affairs of life must be regarded as false worship, unacceptable to God. What you're doing here this morning is unacceptable to God if it's not combined with a willingness to obey Him this last week and this coming week in what you do with your body. This was the consistent message, by the way, of the Old Testament, that obedience had to be, mar- had to be married with worship for the worship to be received. For example, in Leviticus 26, verses 14 and 20, excuse me, verses 14 and 31, we read this, If you do not obey me, God says, if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, I will not smell your soothing aromas. In other words, I'm not receiving your sacrifices. If you're not obeying me, I'm not receiving the sacrifices you offer. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said to Saul, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Samuel answers his own question, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Listen, God doesn't want your Sunday worship if he doesn't have your weekday obedience. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part three of his current series, Your Only Reasonable Response to the Gospel. Tom will have part four for you on our next broadcast as he once again takes us to God's Word.
Before we leave you today, Tom has some closing thoughts. Tom? You know, my prayer for you is that you would allow the truth we've just learned together to truly be at work in your heart, that just as Paul exhorted the believers in Rome to be transformed, let me encourage you to allow the Spirit to transform you. How does he do that? Well, you're going to have to commit to spending more time with him in prayer, in his word, instead of spending your time elsewhere on things that ultimately don't matter, things like a heavy diet of social media and the news. You need to be informed, but you need to be informed in the things that matter for eternity. We are called to be set apart unto God. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our email address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. That's 1-877-577-WORD. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. We thank you for listening. The Word Unleashed exists because God, in His Word, has given you every spiritual resource you need to grow in Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that the power of God's Word be unleashed in your life.